Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we're looking at Season 3, Episode 12, Come Lie With Me, in which Frasier gets a little bit Victorian when it comes to condoning Daphne's sex life. Now, Kay, in this episode, Niles is going to the hoedown for the homeless, or rather, yes. he doesn't go. Um, have you ever ridden a mechanical bull? <laughs> that, that's, that's my question for you this way. And, and then an addendum is, have you ever been to a hoedown? This is going to be a short answer on both. I mean, I always, <laughs> before we do this, I always say, oh, I wonder what he's going to ask. I think it's going to, it's going to be something about sex this week. Prude <laughs> about sex. And no, um, I'm fair to say, I've never, I've never ridden a mechanical bull. I've never been to a hoedown. Wow. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a mechanical bull in person. Really? You've not been to like a party where they've hired one with like the big inflatables around it and stuff? I think we're going to very different parties. <laughs> they were quite big at like, you know, like we're in school. I remember a few a few people had them in like parties and things, but um, I, I've been well, on one. Um, my invitation to these parties? I don't <laughs> know. I must have got lost in the mail or the senator's dog ate it or something. Um, but yeah, like they're fun, but also a little bit like, you know, once you've been on them once. Um, and also sipping champagne atop one as Niles describes highly they would not allow that yeah. <laughs> glass at that kind of speed is going to kill you um if it hits um uh, but you've never been to like a cowboy or like a, a the farm theme because I, I feel like barn dances are quite popular like bales of hay everywhere where Be- are they popular <laughs> where, where in Birmingham is there a barn dance theme? you just go out into the sticks mate into the rural parts and boom everyone's having a hoedown I've been to a wedding before where there's bales of hay everywhere um, that's as close to a hoedown as I'm going to get, I think. Wait, so you've not been to a hoedown, is what you're saying? Oh, no, I've not been to a hoedown, but it's very specific. <laughs> um, it just reminds me of Alan Partridge when he's like, we're having a hoedown. I'm down, but but I'm not a hoe. <laughs> and he's on the floor. <laughs> you say hoedown, I think. Did you ever see Whose Line Is It Anyway? I used to love Whose Line Is It Anyway. When they did a hoedown song at the end of oh. the episode. They do that at the end of every episode? I think so. Oh, my or, God. Or did I, just like ne- did I just like never watch the end of the episode? Because I- that doesn't ring any bells to me. They, if you type in like on YouTube, who's oh, in any way hoedown, you get like huge compila- compilations of them going for like 20, oh my- 30 minutes. Who is your favourite like get cast member from Who's Line? Because I did, there were so many I loved. Oh, I would probably say, and his name has completely slipped out of my head, the bold one. Um, Colin, Colin Mockery. Col- Colin Mockery, yeah. Yeah. I loved um I loved Tony Slattery. I think he was on the UK oh, one. Yeah. Big fan of him. And obviously Ryan, Ryan Stars. Yeah. Fun um, fact, Ryan Stars hated hoedowns. Hated them with a passion. Yeah. Really? He just did yeah, it because the like the, the, the writers wanted them to. I think so. I think they were like forced into doing it. And um because <clears throat> he he did one about how if he has to do another hoedown. As part of his like little song was if I have to do another hoedown, I'll slip my wrists. Oh my god. Uh, and I think one time they were doing a hoedown, he literally just sat down. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And really? someone had to, like just do go twice to fill in for him, but I think he hated hoedowns. Who was who was Wayne? There was a Wayne as well. Oh Wayne. Is it Wayne um, Brady? Wayne Brady yeah. really liked Wayne. Um yeah. he was really good. Just a great show. Really yeah, show. it's really yeah. It's fun to just throw on YouTube and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a long way from mechanical bullets. Um, shall we? Oh, what are you going to say? What are you gonna I was going to say, I feel like Who's Lines Anyway is a show that would really thrive in sort of the YouTube era in the sense that. Just go on, watch a few clips or something, rather than watch a whole episode. Yeah, a lot of like yeah. sketch shows I used to love, like Armstrong and Miller. We've talked about um, sometimes Mitchell and Webb. Um, you know, it's really good to just just watch little sketches because obviously every sketch show has its duds, and you just like you know you just want to watch the good ones. Um, 
But yeah, are you ready to tuck yourself in a trivia corner this week? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Excellent. Right, we've been sent the usual uh, questions by our quiz masters, so let me navigate over to those. Okay, so I'll open with MKs for you here, Kay. Question numero uno for Come Lie With Me. Frasier's aversion to Daphne and Joe's physical relationship is so strict, Roz likens it to what? Likens it, yeah, likens it to a particular culture. Oh, um, yeah, you're not looking for a thing. You're looking for a culture or a community sort of thing. Is that what I'm, am I in the right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, does she say he's Amish or something like the that? The Amish, yeah. the Amish yeah. indeed, which we, we've, that's a second Amish reference. There might even have been more, I'm thinking of with the I, toilet. I the go Amish to Amish racing. references quite a lot, to be honest. Whenever um, I'm criticising technology, I turn you around just, and say, so even the Amish, Amish have better technology <laughs> than this. What are you doing, people? <laughs> that's exactly what I say every time I try to use my wireless printer. An absolute <laughs> hunk of shite. Um, okay, well played, Key. Question two. According to Martin, what's wrong with the scale? Oh, has it been... Um, it's been going like £10 over for weeks now. That thing's been £10 yeah. off for weeks. <laughs> they shrank again. <laughs> that's two out of three here, Key. Can I'd you bring it, it home? I'd love to... I'd, um, tell me if this is a trivia question that anyone's asked, but I, w- I, I really wish I'd written down how many times Martin or how many different items of clothing Martin alleges in this episode have shrunk. That's actually really good. I don't know it's if that comes three up. Three or four, I think. Okay, so final final question, Key, to bring it home. Yeah. Question number three: What three reasons does Niles hypothesize have prevented his invitation from arriving in the mail? Okay. One, it could have been stolen by the mail carrier because, uh, what is it? Uh, hoedown invitation. Hoedowns are catnip for mail carriers. Catnip for mail carriers. <laughs> Amazing line. Um, <clears throat> it could have been lost. Is that one? Just lost generally or misplaced? Missorted. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, is it? Is there one like it, the stamp could have fallen off? Absolutely spot on. <laughs> I mean, that's the least probable one, I think. I don't think I've ever heard of a stamp falling off. Those I things mean, are like sticky as F. They, they are. I mean, it's quite difficult to get a stamp off sometimes, it is, to be honest with you. It is. I remember once asking like my mom and dad, like when we had like an envelope, like, can you reuse stamps? They were like, no. And I was like, <laughs> obviously, that's not the most illegal thing you can do with the Royal Mail. <laughs> I was like, it just, it's there. It's Come on. Just ripping off the bit of paper it's on and sellotaping it. <laughs> Um, we've got a question from Sydney Aspasket in uh, MK's little corner uh, to to round this little section off. So, in the second scene, Fraser and Niles are at Navosa. Niles asks, "Isn't that Dirk and Gabby Bindicott?" And tells Fraser that they're filthy rich. Where is their money from? They made their money from timber. For them, it literally grows on trees. There we go. In their case, it really does grow on trees. That is a stunning four out of four there, Key. Well played. Let's lower the tone now with me getting all of yours wrong. (laughs) Okay, so question number one. Lay it on me. What is the name of the builder who comes to the apartment? Obviously not Joe. Oh my God, I should know this because I've ma- I can see him. I know what he's wearing and I made a comment about him in my bullet points. Um, oh my God. He asks, he has two lines because I, and like, I remember saying, you know, I think he says no sweat or something. His first line is no sweat. And I was like, great deliverer. Um, <laughs> can you please tell me what it begins with? It begins, put it in H. Um, and H. H. <laughs> put yeah. it in H. H. Oh God! There's not that many names beginning with H. I think you could you could do this. Oh my God! I'm gonna take one wild guess. Hank. 
I think, uh, it, I think it's Henry. Is what oh, I'm my thinking. God. I've, Henry came to me. I was like, there's no way a contractor would be called Henry. <laughs> <laughs> but then, Henry, that's a posh name. That's a posh name, but that's just me being grossly classist. And, of course, is a contractor called Henry? Fuck's sake. I'm like, uh, okay, question oh. number two. Okay. What different types of bacteria will be on the sponge if it's kept if he keeps leaving it in the sink? There's three uh, different types. I can I can two of them. I know salmonella. Yeah. Shigella. <laughs> I think yeah. he says Shigella. I, I, uh, I thought it was Shigella, which is what I initially wrote down. I went on KCL to double check. KCL says Flagella. He definitely I, doesn't say I'm that. I'm sure it was Shigella. Flagella is like what they've got on KCL. It's like a different thing in the body. So I feel like someone who might have a bit of bioscience knowledge has just yeah. taken some liberty there and... and I definitely, def- I definitely, definitely heard in my yeah. notes. I put Shigella, and I don't know what that is because I've never heard that. But I, yeah. I think the other one is Listeria. That's three out of three. Come on, baby. Because I just thought of Listerine and Salmonella, and then the one I can't remember. Listerine. <laughs> you don't want to confuse Listerine mouthwash with Listeria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number three. Oh my God. Are you ready? Well, I'm so ready. No okay. sweat, as Henry would say. <laughs> Who may have taken Niles' invitation? And I'm specifically the bit where they're talking about how um, he refers to the fact that someone found a, an unmailed letter by a piano. And oh, this is what he says this in Novosa, not when he's at the apartment. Because at the apartment, he's, they, they give him the excuse that someone took his. Yeah. That's not what you want. No, I, I want. Uh, Frazier says, oh, well, maybe we should call. Oh my god, I think there must be famous pianists. It's, oh, it's... Yeah, I'm not sure who they actually are. I didn't know if they made. Pianos or something? Oh, it's two names. It's two names. They're kind of European sounding. They sound pretty like upper class. I feel like one begins with an F compared to all of those really working class pianists. (laughs) (laughs) One one begins with an F. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and I think maybe the second does it begin with an E? Oh no, sounds a bit like E, but it's not an E. D. No. G. (laughs) C. A lot. A lot. Actually, not a. The alphabet does sound quite similar, doesn't it? Oh, you're going to have to tell me here, mate. I've got down here, and it was a bit of a guess because he says it quite quickly. He does. Ferente and Taichi or Taicha. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember how he pronounces that second word, but that that rings Um, about. Does he have Ferrante? I think it's, yeah, like Ferrante or Ferrante. Um, so yeah, on, on KACL it says Ferranti and Teicher with Teicher being T E I C H E R. That's right. I think does he pronounce it Tisha or something or Teicher? Because it, it reminded me of like the artist Titian and it sounded like he was saying Tish. I don't know. I'm trying to think I, of how Fraser said it, but yeah, that I, I could be butchering it. Yeah. Okay. No, so I don't think you are. I'm just trying to remember it. Um Ferranti and Teicher are a piano duo who rearrange popular songs for e- easy listening audiences. Enjoying great success in the early 60s. Oh, wow. They 60s. both have very strong mustaches. <laughs> this image. I mean, if, if you're going to rearrange popular songs on the piano, you've got to have some kind of facial hair. I mean, <laughs> no, come on, where'd you get off? <laughs> um, okay, so one out of three, not yeah, not terrible. But, but the one you got, it was a tough one. You got the three the three separate elements. You've done very well there. Shagela. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, let's see things to a close with... Oh, I've realised I normally see things to a close with, with MK, and I've switched up the uh, the order this way. <laughs> it's Cam Winston seeing us to a close and his, uh, his merry band. So, number one, K, I've got, I've got six cues for you here, so get ready. Okay. 
The title of this episode is based on what song? Now, what extremely well-known singer made it famous? Is it? I mean, on my way thinking, there isn't a song called Come Lie With Me. I don't think similar. so. Yeah. No. Because to me, what jumps out is Come Fly With Me by Frank Sinatra. In Llama Land, there's a one-man band. <laughs> and he'll toot his flute for you. Question two. What's protruding from Martin's mouth like a bloated tongue? Is it the bacteria-ridden sponge? Yes, it is. These are, there's some good there's some good ones here. You get you're gonna clean up here. You are gonna clean up. Where does what does Martin do that makes Frasier think he's immature? You must call him immature in response to a specific is it action. To do with the sponge. It and might be is it with the sponge in a toaster. He does this oh, really it's... like it's really like don't do that, Martin. Like yeah, that seems quite dangerous. And the toaster looks really cheap and nasty. It does look a weird because I because I looked down, looked up, and I thought maybe he chucked it in a microwave or something. And then you see Fraser going over, and it's it's a toaster, but it doesn't look like a very good toaster. It looks really bad, and like I know this is the nineties, and toasters aren't exactly like you know Rolls Royces at the moment. We're, we're, I've got a four slice baby downstairs, but <laughs> um, so I can make a club sandwich and have a slice left over for guests. But uh, yeah, I just think I just think it looks like this thing could really cause a fire. It's a bit scary, but there you go. Um, but that is that's three out of three for for Hammy Key. This is a stellar performance here. Let's see. If you can bring behind, uh, you can bring it home for these these final three. How? Oh, these these are tough. Okay, <laughs> trivia from Run for Your Life. How many knocks does Fraser knock on Daphne's door? If you Not can remember, ha- if you can remember how many times he he he's at the door, you're like me again. You guess who? You might be able to do a bit of guesswork here. Um, I tell you what, Kit, I'm going to give you one either way. Can you can you hear that, Will? <laughs> That's the sound of my hopes and dreams dying. <laughs> I can hear it. It's lovely. It's music to my ears. <laughs> I'm thinking, does he go? This isn't my number of knocks, guess. Does he does he go to the room? I'm trying to solve it's three or four times because there's one time it's over sort of two for one, isn't it? Because he knocks on the door and then she comes to the door. She goes, Oh, I'm glad that's all sorted up. Closes the door and then he knocks in and goes, Me again. That happens three times. Okay. Oh. If that helps. So what is he? He goes to the door three he, times. He knocks, she closes the door. He knocks again, she closes the door, and then he goes knock me again, and then she closes the door. Oh, so God. it's how it's it's that it's that sequence. How many does how many times does he knock across those three visits? I'll give you one either way, because it's this oh. is tough. Okay. This is tough. So we've got two like main times in he knocks, and then the third time is just like me again. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna say the third time he must knock like Okay, let's say oh, we've got a clue. Here. First, the two main knocks. Let's say he knocks three times on each, so that's six. And then we'll say that he knocks twice for the me again, so that's eight. With my one tolerance, yeah, you are one out. Oh! He knocks three times, then yeah. he knocks four times, oh. and then he knocks. Three times, oh, wow. so total of ten. Um, so I would have accepted nine to eleven. <laughs> there, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, trivia from Niles Crane or Niall Crane in the scene at Cafe Nervosa. Niles is talking to Dirk. Mm-hmm. Behind Dirk is a picture of what? I like this. This did not I strike me. Did not know it's anything. Behind I him. guess you've just got to try and use deduction of what would be hanging on the wall of a cafe. Cup of coffee. 
Not a cup of coffee, Guy. <laughs> it is, but something equally acidic. It is a tomato. Um, a tomato. A tom- like just a picture of a tomato. A picture of a tomato, or a tomato, as our colonial what? cousins would call it. What? I'm off. I reckon it's one of those like artisan tomatoes that looks all <laughs> like you know, you know what I mean? Kind of like at least some guy like squeezing a tomato and looking out at you. <laughs> what really provocatively, like yeah. the juice running between his fingers. <laughs> we only use the I, I feel like that's a Heinz advert. Like that's a we only use the best tomatoes. <laughs> Please and make eye contact. Oh my god, man. Be making people horny for tomatoes. <laughs> this is terrible advertising campaign. Uh, finally, this week, to bring Trivia Corner to a close, trivia from Hot House Orchid, Caitlin, who, of course, yesterday, no, not yesterday, last week when you hear this, we put out her Good Place episode. What colour napkins are Martin and Fraser using at breakfast? Bonus, what's ironic about the colour? Okay. Um, mm. I have no idea. Uh, okay, let's say ironic is... The irony one is hard. I'm... The- um, okay, I don't know. I'm gonna say, this I, I would just take a guess at the color. I'm going to say they're yellow, but in, in this episode, nobody has a sunny disposition. Orange, and Caitlin's put it's ironic because Frazier's getting ready to play squash. Um, though you, in, I don't know if this is this in the case in America, but in the UK, you can get a lot of different types of squash. Um, I mean, I've got lemon and lime downstairs, so the irony one is tough to get there, but a great question all the same. So thank you, Caitlin. Um, orange napkins, Kate. So thank you, everyone who wrote in this week. That's a really, really good batch of trivia questions. I mean, you got the key, like, oh. It all fell apart at the end. If we, if you didn't get the final three, but you did get like I don't know nine up until then. So very, very good. Um, shall we hop on, mate? So well done. For you. Thanks, lad. <laughs> Thanks, that slap around the face. Uh, are you ready to jump into the review? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Can you tell me what animation was this week? Is it a hot air balloon? And is this the first time we've seen it? I think this could be the first time we've seen it. And it always catches me by surprise because it just comes out from behind a building. You don't expect it to come out from behind. I don't know. I feel like it should be around the space needle, but it's coming out down here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But big fan. Uh, I think we've talked about hot air balloons. Would you ever go up in one? I think I've asked you that, surely. I don't think you have. Oh, okay. Um, I do repeat repeat myself a lot. Um, I suppose I wouldn't be against it. I, but really? I probably wouldn't go out of my way to be in one. It just seems a bit like... Yeah, it just seems so dangerous to me. Just... <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't. I, you don't hear it regularly in the news about hot air balloon fatalities. So but I don't think that many go up. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was, I was on a train platform yesterday at New Street, and just above me was like some girders where like, the bridge goes overhead, and I got vertigo looking up at them. And I, I like the idea of being in a hot air balloon and looking up into that gigantic chasm of the balloon's interior. You don't look up. That would scare me to death. I would lose my shit up there. If I if I looked up when I was doing stuff, I'd never get anything. I can't. (laughs) I can't even like people always think I'm miserable because I look down when I walk, and that's because if I'm not looking where I'm going, I can't walk. Do you do you get like vertigo as well, like me? Like you know, if like you're in the Holt end at Villa Park and you look up at the Holt roof, do you feel a bit weird? 
Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, that really like, kills me. So I was walking the other day and someone pointed out a building and they said, oh, what do you reckon they're doing with that? And I looked up at the building and I was starting swaying down. It's the horrible, isn't it? And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't focus where I, I was going. I mean, some people really do suffer with vertigo. And I mean, I, I don't. Um, I should say that. I'm not trying to uh, play the world's smallest violin here. But, um, you know, it does freak me out a little bit. You know, that, that yesterday at the train station was a bit, bit creepy. Um, but yeah, hot air balloons. I'd probably probably take a pass on that. Same with skydiving, just not worth it for me. Someone someone told me, "Oh, you've got to do it. You've got to, you know, enjoy it, living life." And I was like, "At what stage as a species did we (laughs) flight?" And then think, you know what? Let's jump out and let's jump out and really test our maker here. (laughs) Um, If the parachute fails, that's it. You've just got like a minute to contemplate every bad decision you ever made. Don't I don't think I could ever do it. It's just no, it's not for me. Not for me. Fair play, but a fact. I'd, I I might sign up to it, but then the second I get up there, I'd, I'd just fall blown. No, nope, not going. It not. would require unbelievable and gumption. They because I think they literally throw you out if you're at that stage. They can't I, just let you. I, I think they do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, be, unless you were like going nuts and threatening them with a lawsuit or something, they'd be like, okay. But I think normally they're like, you know, because they strap you to an instructor, don't they? Yeah. Um, unless you're James Bond, in which case he jumps out without one and catches up to someone with one <laughs> and, and uses theirs. Um, so the the review begins with Daphne and Joe in bears after a after a night of doing their their deed. Um, and Joe on his merry way. You mean a um, night of them chatting about poetry in the chatting about poetry, not too loudly though. Um, <laughs> I just I really like this because it's the first time I think we see Daphne as an actual human being. Here is Daphne doing the things human beings do. She has a, a romantic life. You know, she's enjoyed a night with Joe. She's not just cleaning up breakfast from the crane men. Um, and I think as as Daphne episodes go, obviously this is more about Frasier's problems. I think this is really good in just giving her some meat to her character, I think. Yeah, this is the first... I mean, how old is Daphne meant to be? I mean, we're assuming she's like 20-something. Like, in my in my head, I reckon she's about 28. Yeah, and this is the first time she seems like someone in her 20s and they're not yeah. and not like an old lady who's basically like married to Martin and just looks after him all the exactly, time. Exactly, you know, she's young, she's attractive, she's virile. Yeah. She, you know. I, it shouldn't be taken to season three for this to happen, really. It shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really nice. And she just seems so normal. Just, mm. uh, I mean, it's not exactly pillow talk, given that all she says is good morning and like, you've got to get out. But, <laughs> yeah, quick. Um, it is It is quite not. I actually really like the bit where she wakes up and they sort of groggily murmur good morning. Yeah, and he like kisses her very, on the forehead and that. It's, it's nice. very real, actually. I quite yeah. like it. And yeah, I love a bit of Joe. I really like that. And I like Joe as well. And I think I, I can't remember how things go with Joe and why it doesn't work out. I really can't. Um, Cause it's, it's only like a few episodes time. I think like, I don't think they're together much. Um, I don't actually recall. I could be wrong. I don't recall seeing Joe again after this. I don't think we do. Um, and I'd be um, very curious as to how that's explained. It's, it's kind of sad. It's a good that, match. Yeah. And he's, I mean, go and mind how much we all loved him in um, the, the first time we saw him. We did in kisses sweeter than wine. And then he just sort of becomes a bit of an afterthought, like that they keep him on, but then they get rid of him again. Yeah, and it's. But I do like the fact one. this episode we have two throwbacks really to past episodes. One being Joe himself. The other, do you know what I'm thinking? Oh my God, say it! Oh, because you brought it up, I want you to have the groovy lady. How incredible is this? Yes. Honestly, this <laughs> is like such a song. treat for us, yeah. like as like long time fans. Like I completely forgot he sang sang this yeah. in this episode. 
so good so good um eddie grabs the pants and runs out now um a great little little bit of a visual gag there with with eddie um and then i put how much do you weigh i think this is because they were talking about um talking about weight at the time i'm interested Key, how much do you weigh will you tell will you tell listeners <laughs> i um, do not weigh a lot you do uh, not weigh a lot. I, let me guess um do you know how much you weigh in kilos because that might be i, I don't can. know what americans weigh themselves in because obviously they're all imperial like we are um but for some reason, they seem to use kilos more than they use stones and pounds, which is what we use. Uh, I can Google the, the difference. Um, I, I know within about a stone. I'm not, I'm not, don't know specifically. Within a life. stone, I mean. <laughs> within a stone. How much do you reckon I weigh? Excellent. You're you really thin. Mm. Um, you, you say that like I'm like I'm like I've got an issue, a disorder. Because I'm I'm not thin. that thin. I filled out a lot since you last saw me. I'm, I'm quite thin, and when I see you, I'm like, wow, he's thin too. I understand why now people see me and they go, wow, you're quite thin. I think it's because what well, I think it's because we're tall and I have really long legs, and obviously my legs are fairly thin, and that makes me look really thin. Yeah, um, I've got like these little chicken legs that yeah, I'm the side. Wear shorts without people same. like. Why have you got six-year-old's legs? Why have you got a chicken's legs? What's going on there? So what do you reckon? Um, do you reckon I why? I'm going to say... You're I once spoke to a a, a, a girl who's doing, doing a med- medicine degree. In fact, she's, like, she's fully got it now. She's a doctor. And she said the exact kilos that I weigh is the ideal weight they use in all of their examples in medicine. Okay, um, so you are the perfect weight. Uh, apparently, I'm the perfect weight. Oh, okay. That's, mm. that's throwing me out a little bit I'm... Gonna say, then you might weigh slightly more than I thought. Though. I think I do weigh more than you thought. I just have really low body fat, I think, but <laughs> I I'm am not just like like zero percent body fat. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing going much. on here. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna have to. Okay, I'm gonna say ten and a half stone. Okay, and in kilos, I'm googling it now. Um, that for our American listeners, I think what the hell? They're about sixty-six kilos. Uh, I put in 10 stone at first because that was going to be my original guess. Six, yes. Yeah, wow, that's really impressive, mate. 66.678 kilos. I so. am just over 11 stone. So oh, I weigh okay. 70, 70 kilos. And 70 kilos is apparently the, the magic number. Um, I reckon you weigh, because you, you're, you're taller than me. Um, that, you've got to always factor that in. I don't know. I think you might edge it on height. I don't... I, well, very, very close. It's very well, close. I, I'm though, just okay. just under 6'1". I'm like 6.09. I'm about that, yeah. Because my, okay. my brother, I think, is 6'1". And, but it's a source of debate. Depends <laughs> on leaning who wins it. I reckon you are... I'm going to say like 10'4". I'm between nine and ten stone. You're between nine and ten stone. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You I'm are. Thin. You are light. Uh, that's light. A, it. Means it just means you've got very low body fat as well. Okay. So good for you. I'm, uh, I'm light enough to pretty much. I think every single one of our listeners, including like any, if we've got any listeners over the age of eighty-five, they could probably still pick me up. Any diminutive just... jockeys <laughs> like, with riding their shoulder. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to ask listeners to send your weight in. It's extremely personal. <laughs> yes. But if you want to share it, by all means do. I mean, ha- Hamish is like six foot five. I imagine he's got us pegged. Um, so, you know, quite a lot there. Um, he's a, he's a big, big dude. Um, okay, 
toast cramps. Now, Daphne's kind of get, giving them the bums rush, which is also a gag I want to come back to, because um, she obviously wants to get them out of the, out of the apartment so she can smuggle Joe out. Um, how are you, like, stitching things? Like, did you get stitched a lot as a kid, or do you still get it now, you know, when you've eaten and you go for a walk or a run or swim or whatever? On the rare occasions that I, I go anything faster than a trot, <laughs> I, I do on occasion get stitched. Yeah. It's I, the worst, man. I, I'm never really sure what's best. I mean... Do you eat before running or do you not eat, but then you get the... You know what I mean? I feel like you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm never really sure the best way of doing it. You really are. I, I think typically it's be- it's better to not eat um, or eat something light, um, like a banana and a bit of peanut butter would be fine. Um, I've noticed if I run in the afternoons when I've had like a whole day, of, like, I've had breakfast and lunch, I'm, I'm almost certainly going to get stitched at some point. If I run in the morning, I basically never get it anymore. But I used to get it a lot when I started running. And a lot of people, it was just bad breathing technique as well. Like if you're breathing really shallow breaths, because it's you know, you're, you're panting, that's like the natural thing, rather than just trying to regulate it. Um, that can be a big issue as well. But it's just the strangest thing. Sometimes you get it and it's like debilitatingly painful. It's And it's like someone's got a knife to your, to your gut. Um, the weirdest thing, but there you go. Um, the bums rush key. What am I thinking of when they say bums rush? We don't have any bums in our town, Marge. And if we did, they wouldn't rush. <laughs> They're allowed pace. to go their own pace. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. I just really love this phrase. I wish we used this in the UK more. Um, I assume it comes from like the fact that like hobos or bums are always in transit, you know, jumping yeah. on the boxcars and yeah, but to be like a kind of I don't know if there's a I didn't know if there was sort of a specific time of day when they get kicked out or they go to somewhere maybe historically and they were like, Oh, it's the bums rush because it's that's a, yeah, like they've got to move on, like you yeah. know, it lights well, out or when something. The, pubs or the bars close or open or something whether that was a, a thing that's a really uh, good point actually i wonder and, if I wonder if they know listen another point just in this scene we see a frazier and he's wearing what looks to me to be like a cricket sweater he is but he's yet he's going squash. to play squash he wears look- this a lot actually yeah, but it doesn't strike me as squash gear i mean as someone who's never played squash because i don't even understand the rules but it doesn't strike me as this is like your typical squash girl. I can only assume he has some kind of white polo underneath that he will then he will take off the cricket the, the cricket <laughs> knit because believe me, squash is insanely hot. Um, I mean, one you work harder than it's cardio is insane, but you're indoors, and I think any indoor sport like that, it's just it's awful. It gets so sweaty, especially when there's two of you giving off that much heat. So yeah. That, that knitwear has got to be coming off. Otherwise, he is in for a world of hurt in that squash box. Um, the coffee count this week, um, I believe our last figure was 69. Nice. After that big nine from a, a previous episode. So I think I've got three for this episode, which I think Roz, Niles yeah. and Frazier each have one, which brings us to a cool 72. Um, and so this obviously brings us to Nervosa. We see Dirk and what's her name? Uh, Gabby, I think. Dirk and Gabby Pre- Prendergast. Ben, I can't remember the name. Is it Ben? I think we can do a V. Is my instinct? Is a, it um, V? A B? A bin, Bindercot. Bindercot. Um. So you know, in their case, it really does grow on trees. We now have my favourite live in the episode, and I'm not kidding. This is probably in my top ten of all time on Frasier. Do you know what line I'm thinking of? Is it? I'm thinking. I think you're gonna get it. Is it the hoedown? It should be UKA. Eh? It's not that. It's it, not. It's a Frasier line. A Frasier. Oh, Frasier okay. says it. It's it's a quick line. It's, um, o- it's only short. I I love it, this so much. 
it's it's a line as well. I feel like you can you can use as a joke in real life it, 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 when when someone when like on the opportunity arises. Not often, but it's it could be used. Well, I've seen your wife. Well, I've seen your wife. <laughs> it's just I don't know what it is. It's just incredible. It's just it is so cutting compared to like this guy who's just paid him a compliment. And I don't think Fraser's deliberately being facetious, but it comes across as like what an arrogant windbag. Like I've just said, I love your work, and you've just said I've seen your wife. Um, but I absolutely love this. I love this so much. What do you make of like Nars in this scene generally? I really like Nars's desperation to fit in. Um... I'd say- Sad, isn't it? It, it? It's sad, but the idea of I feel like if him and Maris had still been together, he'd have been looking down his nose at a hoedown or something like that. Whereas now he loves it. It's yeah, because now way. he's getting relegated to B list charity events and last year's disease. <laughs> <Last year's disease. laughs> um, was it? Was it? Um, is the other one? Is it? B-list um, theatre companies or something like that. I think it? so. Yeah, little theatre companies. Grubby little theatre companies. Yeah, I also I don't know. There's just something about David Hyde Pierce saying the word hoedown. Oh, when I'm sipping champagne atop a mechanical boat, <laughs> he really gets his mouth around these lines. Fills me with joy, and and just I think he really. This is the first time I think we really start to see the the theme of this episode. It, I think it's fair to say the theme that this episode is denial. Oh, big time. You know, we you know um, Martin. We we've already had him talking about how the scales are 10 pounds off again and well, that is a very um, relatable one i'm sure for many honestly these scales they just keep breaking That's honestly you just need <laughs> to get some new ones is what we need <laughs> um and then niles really is going for it with the, the the various different methods by which he may have not been informed about the hoedown yeah tragically so i think um i, I really appreciate roz here as well just particularly with the way she's interacting with fraser because obviously fraser and roz have a bit of a am i right in thinking there's no kacl in this episode yeah no kacl at all. always 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 interesting to note so i'm glad they got roz in here because you know, to, to borrow or paraphrase a different quote from the show, there's a lot of pomposity pricking going on here. You know, she's just a bit like, what, Amish? To Fraser, you know, like, because he, he does sound extremely Victorian, Amish, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to offend. Is it fair to say we don't have any Amish listeners? I, mean, I think I'm, it's fair to say they yeah. don't own any <laughs> podcasting equipment or capable of tuning in to the We're Listening podcast. But yeah, Fraser is being extremely unreasonable here. Um, the whole through line this episode and the fact that it ends up becoming acceptable to him because they concoct this denial and Daphne's in on it just doesn't sit well with me I think there's there's, there's room for Fraser to grow in this episode that he doesn't do um, he ends up just regressing I think like he's really getting on my nerves here because he's being so unreasonable I think yeah, I, I really, I, I'm online. I do love of Roz's in this scene is when he talks about it leaving him in an, an awkward position and sort of bending down, looking through the keyhole. I love that. Very good line. I mean, he would be picturing it like Daphne's attractive and she lives in his house and she's young. Like, if he knows her and Joe are getting on, he's going to be sitting there imagining what it looks like. He's just, he's a hot blooded male, you know. <laughs> Particularly hot-blooded as sitcom male men go, as we have discussed time and time again. He's the horniest guy who's ever existed. But I yeah. think it's fair to say, particularly now, obviously, you know, however many years later, a few decades mm. later, that Frasier does come off as a, I think, a little bit ridiculous in this episode. A big just, time for a guy who has as much sex as he does, as well. Yeah, and and the fact that it's why is the issue with Daphne? Because when Martin brings people home, 
you know, he, he delighted. That's, that's a lot worse to picture. Yeah, you, I'd be a lot more uncomfortable about the thought of my dad getting it. And his room. bedroom backs onto Frasier's, man. <laughs> He's going to hear things. Daphne might as well be on the different in the different floor of the apartment. She's that yeah, far away. It's quite a distance as well it's between. Huge. You know, he's probably not hearing anything, and it just you know when when Elaine came round, she was a delightful creature, but when Joe stays, he's got an issue with it. I don't really understand. I think it's a little bit of an inconsistency. I don't know if it's an if it's just because Daphne's meant to be the woman, but it makes no real sense. And and you you don't ever. I, I really ever struggle at any point in this to understand Fraser's rationale of why yeah. he's uncomfortable because if he could hear it I could understand that if you know if he'd have been woken up by the sound of them getting up getting off that would have been an interesting episode <laughs> <laughs> but I could understand like a quiet word so actually can you keep it down if it's a bit weird yeah but beyond that I don't really get Fraser's uh I don't really get his perspective in his episode, to be honest. I think there's just a lot of double standards here because it's exactly the same with the way he treats Raz. And we've talked about it all the time. We don't need to labor the point. The point is, obviously, you know, there is a slight element of, of, of sexism and out of touchness with Frasier um, and, and the men in this show. Um, that's the point. You know, he's got his flaws. Um, but yeah, it is a little hard to believe considering he's got a very liberal approach to dating and stuff. He's not a prude man, um, you know, in three dates and a breakup. He is literally on horny overdrive, um, as I look forward to discussing with you when we get there. But um, I mean, he goes to Daphne's room now to, to speak to her. Um, some phenomenal back and forth here. Um, a, li- a couple of lines I loved. I was just reviewing the minutes of our last meeting. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a great line you can use in, in kind of everyday conversation. Um, and then Daphne saying, you know, I'll just, after I've finished waiting on you and your father, I'll retire to my room, wrap myself in an Afghan, and if my whimpering gets too loud for you, you can have me fixed like Eddie. Um, <laughs> really graphic, the idea of her just sitting in her room whimpering. She's that, like, sexually frustrated. Um, yeah, really, really great line, though, I think. Um, and just, just it reminds me of Daphne's room when they're at the, the door. Yeah. Um, Big fan. I think it, it's really, I think the knocking actually becomes quite noticeable in this episode for the fact that he doesn't just walk in. Yes. Having learned his lesson from Daphne's room. Very good, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's um, nice. But it's interesting that one, actually, a couple of things are interesting. One, I love the fact that Martin, right from the off, tells him, do not get involved in this. If you have any sense, you'll pretend nothing happened. Yeah. And Fraser just completely disregards it and makes it lately. So, Daphne actually I think is a bit more open about her room in this episode because she does invite him in essentially she's oh he, he comes in to speak to her yeah he does and in Daphne's room as I remember she was always sort of speaking through the crack in the door a little and bit didn't want them to see her space yeah. yeah so she seems to become a bit more open about that it seems that way I also um, find it a bit weird that Daphne assumes the problem is the notification period because yes if I was Daphne I just say, yeah, I'm really sorry that it was so awkward, and you know, next time we'll all just be a bit more adult about it. But I wouldn't expect to be. I'm going to bring a girl home, but I'm going to give you two weeks' notice ahead of time because. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being at a bar like, look, I want to bring a girl home, and actually, I've not so got you booked in. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a pre-booked appointment. So <laughs> that tonight. would be awful. <laughs> Nothing would kill the mood quicker than that. Um, yeah, I completely, I completely get that. I, I just, yeah, just. Frasier in this scene, I mean, this is the point of the episode, but he is extremely unreasonable. Um, he wants to have her around the yeah. house, waiting on the hand and foot, but he doesn't want her to have any kind of life um, beyond them, I think. Um, 
which is, which is just you know it's it's ridiculous um we learned that her room used to be his study which i think has been, has come up a few times we know there's the famous hat museum from like the uh, from season one uh where the hat museum is i, I can never remember somewhere near fraser's room i think um but yeah that used to be a study probably a really nice study i imagine and like his face when he's imagining what he can do with it if she moves out uh, is hilarious is, is it weird to have an ensuite with a shower for a study yeah, a little bit. Like, how how intense are you studying? The, I mean, the... let's just let's just get real here. This apartment's got three bedrooms. Each of them has a massive ensuite. Yeah. Um, and like, actually thinking, I remember Niles has the joke about how Daphne's room is only X amount of steps from from Fraser's. I'm just imagining walking from Daphne's door across all the way to Fraser's. That is a long way. Like, this is a yeah. huge apartment. Yeah, it really um, is massive. The question, I mean. Always think about it in terms of distance. If it's a long way, would you, you know, wake up in the middle of the night needing a pee? Mm. Would you feel comfortable? Can you do that distance without waking up properly? I don't think you can. What into the ensuite you mean? From from say Daphne's room to Fraser's room. That that's sufficiently far mm. that you are no longer groggy. By the time you get into the other door, you're awake. And I'm just imagining the scenario where Daphne would be going to Fraser's <laughs> room late at night. This is this your fan fiction? <laughs> um, where are we now? So Martin now is singing Groovy Ladies. He makes the breakfast. Um, I completely forgot about this. So it's such a lovely throwback. Um, some really nice back and forth about the breakfast here, mainly Al Paso, um, when Fraser doesn't want a burrito or whatever he's having. And then the tater tots are done. You want a pile? Well, not that I don't enjoy a pile of breakfast food. Um, have you ever seen or had tater tots, Key? I don't think I don't think we have these here. I don't think I've they're ever massive seen in them. the UK. I, I, oh, in, in the, the US. US. In the US. They're big in the UK. We're not, big not in the where UK. I'm from. No, <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't even. I'm not entirely sure what they actually are. It's just something you hear on American shows, and you're like, that's. A- I mean, I'm looking them. I'm looking them up now, and they look incredible. They're basically just like it's like grated potato that's been deep fried. Um, so just like a really unhealthy chip. Um, this does not sound like something I want. At 8am in the morning? Not at 8am in the morning, but I mean, with a bit of chicken or something, a bit of ketchup, um, they look really good. Um, anything deep fried is normally it's normally fair game, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so Henry the contractor, it is Henry. Here's my note. No sweat. Great delivery. And then his other delivery is sure or something like that like, do you want a coffee <laughs> sure uh, oh no that that'd be great i think he says that'd be great, um, that'd be great. Says, he has a third line he says okay as he walks off to the when room when he goes to the bedroom well yeah. noted there okay really got milked it for all it was worth this episode <laughs> uh we have the great line about the sponge and the bacteria now i'm very anal about sponges in my own house um i do i do most of the washing and cleaning washing and drying up of meals and stuff in my house um if the sponge gets crap on it it looks dirty that thing is straight in the bin fresh one out yeah i'm not i'm not putting your disgusting sponge all <laughs> over my clean plates um how are you with like hygiene when it comes to dishes I, and things Kay? as someone who does a fair bit of the cleaning in, in my mm. flat good I'm for you man, man. You could fight, fight in the patriarchy that <laughs> love that yeah <laughs> I'm going to fight it. What are you going to do? I'm going to clean these dishes myself. <laughs> you sit stop. down. Probably Shan's going to have to re-clean them later if she feels like well, you know, you, You're only a man after I'm, all. I'm doing the first draft run. The first draft <laughs> I saw, that's me. Um, I, I, I'm, oh, you're not going to like this. I'm very much a Martin. 
Uh, really? I'm not, yeah, chuck that to, you know, back in the sink because the sinks, it's got water. It's probably clean. It's like Joey with the soap. It's like it's self-cleaning. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's a sponge. So I by know. definition of being a sponge, it is clean. Yeah. Okay. We used, I used to use a sponge in the bath and things. Do you not just think it's disgusting? Like, it's just sitting there gathering the crap every time you clean it. Um, I would just need to bleach that thing every time after every wash. Otherwise, it's just, oh, oh God, no, no, no. Just use your hands, and then your hands are constantly getting cleaned. How are you, how are you? How many sponges are you getting through in a in, a, in the in a sink? Month? I would say I don't know. I probably, we probably I have like on this classic yellow and green scarers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The and good I, stuff. I, the good stuff. You know, premium, premium sponge. <laughs> I probably probably one of them will last five to seven days. I reckon. Okay, that's reasonable. Okay, yeah, I reckon reasonable. by that point, I would say that the green scarra side has started to gather bits. Yeah, and, and like it's all becoming a bit like, and it, and it starts coming off yeah. on the plate, and I'm like, then you get all the green fibers on the plate. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? I don't want to eat this. You're not a good enough sponge for me. No, you're not. So um, I mean, the crap ones you get from Aldi that are really thin, they yeah. they can they can withstand at best a few aggressive scrubs, and then. Them. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think when I think our sponge duration is actually fairly similar. I like um, that. But I'm never actually the one to chuck it out. If I don't, if I don't feel it's good enough for a, for use, I'll pull it on the side in case I rethink that decision later. <laughs> and you don't and commit you, too soon. I don't want to be the one who actually chucks it out. And then usually I just come in. It's no longer there. So I assume the decision's been taken out of my hands. <laughs> Good old Shan. <laughs> um, Niles arriving in the... Oh, firstly, before Niles arrives in the cowboy hat, which I have to say, one of my favourite visual gags an image. ever in the show. He looks amazing and it's hilarious as well. Um, is the line, the sight line loses all flow because Frazier's moved Martin's chair, um, which just kills me because every time he talks about the feng shui and the sight lines and the eclectic... It's always funny. Um, but yeah, Nars arriving, he looks unreal. He's got those like cow horn things. I don't know what you yeah, call them, the I tassels. They've probably got a very specific name. I think, they do. I think there is a very, very specific name. I'm sure I've heard, but off the mm. top of my head, I can't I think, remember. I think they've definitely got a name. And then he, he references a few other a few other events and, and functions. The luau for lupus. Um, incredible. A luau is the Hawaiian thing, am I correct? I think it is, yeah. And lupus is just, for me, famous for, I think, on House. He's like every guest, lupus. on the first. Famous, famously, he, he thinks everything's lupus, or, or he thinks... Everyone else thinks it's lupus, and he's always like, "It's not lupus." Um, I just know that's associated with house. Um, and obviously, Fraser's just ribbing Niles at this point. The lion waltzes with snobs. Yes, absolutely amazing. Um, and this this joke format is used in Halloween in season five when Martin and Gil are at the buffet table, and Gil says, "Just call me." something with crab puffs fumbles with crab puffs when he's eating and he's dressed as chinchachkuk from the last of the mohegans mm. so they use that thing twice and i think it's a really good formula for a joke um obviously playing on dances with wolves and and kind of general native american naming um have you seen dances with wolves oh, i have not no good film good but you were going to say something we don't need to go on a dance with I... the wolves tangent let's <laughs> <laughs> no, say what i really like about this i think um I think the pace of the episode really ramps up in this scene. It's a lot quicker back and forth between them. 
I think that, so. That we haven't seen up to this point. I think we've started to see the stirrings of them. Obviously, you know, the denial point, but then we start to see the stirrings of them perhaps being a little bit uncomfortable with one another the second Daphne has left with, you know, Martin just deciding he doesn't need to get dressed. He's, he's lived with pants for three years and that is too damn long. That is too long. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the line from him. Like, um, when, when they turn and go, what did you do before you had remotes? So you had to get up and change the television. And just the look, a genuine look of, it was hell. It was hell. <laughs> <laughs> All um, our appliances were on an adventure this weekend. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really does. It, it ramps up and I think it works very well. And I think they do such a good job, actually, of just carrying this 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 constant bickering and constant fighting in a very comedic way. Mm-hmm. You don't become irritated by it. I completely agree. Um, I mean, Frazier's delivery of, perhaps you can explain this, and comes out with the sponge. I mean, whenever Kelsey goes into this register, it's a knockout every time. He yeah. never, ever just misses with these with these deliveries. There's so many times where he shouts, I mean, like, you know, explanation, please, like later on in the show and stuff. They just always kill me. Um, and like, oh, my dreams get me by. <laughs> the one where I strap you to that chair. Just amazing, amazing. Just, there's something's really got to be said. Like Kelsey's vocal range. Oh, and so just good. the way he delivers a line. I don't. It's just. It's it's very uniquely Kelsey grammar. To really me. is. Like, like obviously we see it a lot with when he plays uh, Sideshow Bob doing the voice in The Simpsons. But in this, like, I don't. He's like he's like halfway through the sentence. He sort of takes a dip, so he's ramping up and then goes for it. Yeah, he end. just paces his own delivery so well. It's so so well done, and I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who really does it any like the way Kelsey does it. It, it works so well comedically. Spot on. Um, we have Martin's Oreo analogy now. I'm almost certain I've asked you this on the podcast before. How do you feel about Oreos? Um, I, I'm I sure you've like had one. Oreos, actually. I okay. um, when when I was younger and they first sort of made the break. The breakthrough move to the UK, and everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, Oreos." I was like, "No, nah, this looks weird. I'm not. I'm not buying. I'm not. I'm not buying into this fad." Um, <laughs> the last few years, I've really got on board the Oreo train. Really, I'm probably going to be a very controversial because they're massive in the US. Obviously, I think they are insanely overrated. Um, I just, if I if I had a choice between an Oreo and like a normal biscuit, like a chocolate digestive or an oh, OT. Yeah. That's... I can't think of many situations where I'd pick an, an, an Oreo over a normal biscuit. Um, you know, and also just interesting that Americans call a lot of things cookies, where we have a very specific, like Martin calls the black, the outer shell of an Oreo, the two hard cookies. Yeah. Now, in the UK, a cookie is a very specific looking thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's like a thick kind of, you know, I don't even know what you, it's not a digestive, it's another kind of biscuit and it has chunks in it. You know, that is a cookie and it will never ever be mistaken for something else. Um, so it's just interesting, these little, little, and it shouldn't crunch. No, I, I think a know, cookie should be soft. Yeah, I quite like a soft cookie. I'm one of those people, if I ever go, do you know, like you can go to like Asda or Sainsbury's. The bags of four. And I'm there, like, honestly feeling them off. Like, oh, no, that's not quite soft. That one's gone a bit hard. Okay, here's an important question. Do you get the normal ones, which are like, you know, beige with chocolate chips, or do you get the, you know, triple chalk where they're dark oh. with chocolate chips? I, I am I'm 100% one way, and I want to know which. Really? Because I... I... I dip it between the two. Really? Yeah. It depends what mood I'm in. Like probably if I only had to have one for the rest of my life. Yeah. 
I'm so excited. What you're I gonna tell pick. you what, weirdly enough, I thought I was going to say the ordinary one with chocolate chips, but actually, as I'm saying this in my head, I think I'm going for the triple chocolate. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yes! It's got to be triple, man. This, as a kid, I was like, look at it. It looks like it's got more chocolate in it. It's got to be better. Um, so I'm a huge fan of those bags of four that we get and five, whatever, in like Asda and, and supermarkets. They're so, so killer. Um, huge fan of those. Um Fraser goes to to Daphne's room now. We have the, the bacteria-ridden sponge protruding from his mouth like a bloated tongue lion. Just before before this, I really actually do love Martin's little analogy about the Oreos and the way he keeps it going. Because he just doesn't get that Fraser understands <laughs> it. Everyone understands it immediately. And you go, Debbie's kind of the center. Yeah, I get I get it. And we're we're the two cookies. <laughs> okay, thank you, Dad. <laughs> he just he just doesn't stop. Um I've put here that I'm glad Fraser sees the error of his ways. So he finally gauged. So he finally, you know, he, we gauged the importance of Daphne to to the, them, the Crane boys. But I'm, I'm, I don't think he does learn the error of his ways. I think it's just about denial, you know. And it's a funny ending. But are you sold on this denial ending? I really um, don't get it because I'm not. He knows. Sold. Everyone knows. Just and like the way Daphne says, "Come on, work with me here." Like, yeah, this is a joke. I get it, but like it. it I don't, it doesn't quite sit for me. And, and given that, like, literally earlier, but halfway through, 60% of the way through the episode, he was saying, I'm a psychiatrist, Dad. I, I don't do denial. I resolve. I I address. I, you know, yeah. Confront. So the irony, obviously, is here is insane, of course. Um, but it just, I find it weird that he goes along with it. I feel like, as, you know, due to his role, he wouldn't accept the fact that he's just, in, he'd confront that. And he'd want to then address it head on. And I find it quite strange that he is all of a sudden so happy to live in this land of denial when everyone knows the reality of the situation. I don't really get it. Um, yeah, I'm completely with you. I would have loved to just seen him go to a room and say, Daphne, I was completely wrong. You know, you're, you're a young woman. You live under this roof. You, you need to have a social life. And then great growth for both of them. Fraser appreciates Daphne as a human being. Daphne realizes her boss isn't some Amish, you know, prude. Um, I keep keep throwing the Amish under the bus here. I've got nothing against the Amish. Um, and yeah, we just don't get that ending. It's it's funny because all three of them are in denial in the living room. And don't get me wrong, that that is funny. Um, Niles's in particular gets me the most um, because his is the most plausible. Um, is it yeah. strange actually that as much? Niles really only really cares about the hoedown for the homeless and, and that side of it. The fact that Daphne's having sex. So swap him. What a point. Yeah. Is he even aware in this episode of what's going on? I don't I mean, think he, he is. He's in, he's in the room when, when Frazier says, Oh, it turns out they're sleeping together but not having sex. You see, they can't have sex because. And oh, yeah. He must have put two and two together at that stage. That, that is such a good point. That's a massive omission, I think. In maybe this episode. is he just walking into the room? I think he's just it? he's off on the phone in the corner, isn't he? So that that does give them a slight pass here. But, but I, I find it strange that Fraser's not discussed it with him off screen because he he mm. plays problems with you know Roz certainly in this episode. But you know, usually he talks about everything with with Niles. So you would think this would have come up. You really would. I mean, an episode like this very overtly about Daphne's sexuality, and there's not many of these. Um, and Niles literally doesn't speak to Daphne in this episode. I don't think he speaks of her. Um, I don't think anyone speaks to to him about her. Like this is one. This is probably one of the only episodes in the entire series, I think, where Niles and Daphne do not in, do not interact either indirectly or directly. Um, 
and I did not think that was an observation we'd make at the end of this review. But really, really cool that you've you kind of flagged that. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder if this flagged for listeners. Did you did you notice that this was a particularly kind of anti Niles and Daphne episode in some ways? I wonder if the writers were like. I don't know, because the, 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 if the writers wanted us to stay invested in their storyline, they'd have put some jealousy on the part of Niles. Here, it's like, are they having second thoughts about whether that will go anywhere? And let's give Daphne her own kind of sexual liberation. And I don't know. Yeah, is it they're just allowing Niles perhaps to start moving on? But Yeah, just maybe just not one. making one note and give him like his own stories and things. But that, that for me is a really strange one, given obviously I think Moondance is next episode. Oh, yeah or is it is yeah let me let me double check um yes it is so what that's a bit strange isn't it these these they were there's no way they could have been filmed in order um because that's nuts that's so nuts because we go from we go from the one episode maybe in the whole 260 something where they don't interact at all to the episode where they are practically having sex on a dance floor um (laughs) so yeah really really interesting yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange point. I can't really understand the rationale for it unless no, I can't. I haven't even got a theory. I'm I'm really not sure why they didn't involve Niles in this at all, unless they they felt maybe there wasn't time to address it with the B plot. But I don't think that this is sufficient. And maybe they don't want to focus on that element of it. They wanted to focus solely on really more so than Daphne's sexuality, more about Daphne's importance to the household. But mm. even then, I find it a bit. It's a it's a bit strange that again there's just nothing from Niles at all in this episode. Um, also, as much as that, they're also living in their world of make believe at the end, and they're saying you want some cookies, they're reduced fat, and that that means we can eat twice as many. Yes, it does mean that. <laughs> that's not denial. You that's can- so true. Yeah, but they're reduced fat. Eat more. I guess, I guess if they're specifically reduced by 50%, then that's that's <laughs> true. If they're reduced by 10%, then, you know, it's not as good. Um, but yeah, no, I completely get it. But just a brilliant observation, Kay. I think it's given me so much food for thought. And I really want to hear from listeners. How do you, what do you make of this kind of Niles, Daphne, anti-interaction? Knowing we have Moondance next, um, because obviously I'm really looking forward to Moondance. I mean, not sure if it's Kelsey's first outing as director. It might be um, of an episode. I couldn't say for certain. And we don't tend to look at the directors, which we probably should. But it's just one thing we've glossed over up to now. But just a great episode, all in all. Um, really well made. But yeah, just really interested to hear what you think. Um, the post credit scene, just before we jump over to the, the end of episode gubbins. Uh, Daphne making orange juice, three glasses, which she takes towards the bedroom, and then turns around as a joke. Really, really like that as a visual gag. At first, I was like, where's she going? What's going on here? I didn't get it. And then it was like, oh, that is good. That is good. Um, I really like that. Um, is this episode in your top 10, Key? It's not in my top 10. I, I don't want to... Oh, you know, I don't think you're going to like this. I was a little bit disappointed with this episode, actually. Oh, no, I'm not. No, by all means. I, I don't know. I think because we've had a, a couple of episodes a few weeks on the bounce where they've not been... I think it's fair to say not our favourite. I mean, yeah, we've, we've had two tough weeks with The Friend and it's hard to say goodbye. And then I think maybe I built this episode up a little bit too much. Like, oh, this is a bounce back. This is a bit better. Um, and it was fine. It just it was it was it was okay. I don't think it was great. It's my view of it. I'm completely with you. I don't really like Martin in this episode. I don't find any of the weight stuff funny. I really enjoy Niles. I really enjoy Daphne and Fraser's just, you know, the glue holding it all together. Um, but no, I completely agree. And like yeah, just tonally thinking about Moondance, 
it is a strange one. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, I'm probably with you thinking that I thought this episode was better uh, going into it than it actually was. Um, but by all, it's not in my top ten, I should say. But it, it's certainly not like a bottom of the barrel app, um, which obviously you're not saying it is either. Um, who have you gone for for actor? And we should maybe do a tot up. And before you do that, I will send you the little pie chart thing that um, you yeah. can input the data on and you can I, get a little... I, I meant to do a tot up. I know I've not got around to it. Oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, I mean, so... Have you got time if we take a break? Or uh, I'd probably do, need to, I've got, do I'd it probably, next week. Yeah, I'd probably just need to listen to the last couple of um, episodes back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do it next up, week. So... Yeah. I will. I will get onto it. I meant to do. Oh, it honestly, before. don't worry at all. Don't Sweet worry at all. Mind. Honestly, though. Um, but fine. in terms of best actor pick for me, I think I've got to go with Frasier. I think mm-hmm. his delivery of the lines about the sponge about so as, good. As much as I don't like his character in the episode, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really get the rationale of the character or, or where his perspective or where he's coming from. I do just love Fraser, Kelsey's delivery. Of yeah. his lines and how he performs it. I'd say my criticism is with the script of the character more so than his performance. His performance is fine, I think. Um, and I think particularly just I just I think just the way he says about you know, how can, please can you explain this? That for that that line alone probably Please can explain this. <laughs> I just shouting, isn't it? Just a phenomenal, phenomenal delivery. Um, so for me, I think. Kelsey's probably the high point of this episode for me. So I'll give it to Kelsey. As always, Key, you have saved me a lot of leg work <laughs> because I have also picked Frasier slash KG. Um, just think his physical acting is specifically what I put his top notch this episode with the face when he's imagining the studio, uh, the study, to when he's on the chair at the end. He's like nodding along with his sherry about all the denial they're in. Um, he's just top notch. But I would say, I do think Daphne was really good in this episode. Um, she doesn't have that much to do, despite this is very central. Um, but like the way she's kind of cleaning up the apartment at the end and her interaction with Joe, like you said, feels very real. It's a bit like Daphne's room again when it's an episode where you feel she's going to be in it a lot more than she is. Yeah. And it actually just seems to be a lot of discussions about her behind her back more so than actually her being front and centre. At least next week we're going to finally get an episode where she's front and centre. Yeah. Which is going to be really nice. Possibly, really, properly, properly in that discussion for actor pick. Reckler will be pleased to hear that. Reckler will be pleased indeed. Um, Kennedy Burlinky, what would he make of this episode, please? And I think it goes without saying, Kennedy Burling is a very sexually liberated man. Does he like Oreos? (laughs) I thought somewhere else then. (laughs) What, does he like (laughs) Oreos? Um, I don't think um, Kennedy would say no to either. <laughs> He's constantly hungry for both. <laughs> I was outrageous. <laughs> Thank you, Key. No further explanations needed there. Kennedy is a very sexually liberated man and he loves Oreos and something that sounds a lot like Oreos. Um, who's crazy anyway, Key? All that remains is to play that before we jump over to listener mail. There's one word that I've picked out this week, and it is spinning. Who uses the word spinning in this episode? Only used once. And I'm, get, I'm getting to the point now. I, I should forewarn you. It's that hard to pick a quote that I don't think you'll get, that I am really settling on this kind of unique word format. Um, I'll try and pick an interesting word, not like hello. Um, but yeah, I've gone with spinning let me just double check. It is definitely. Oh yeah, it's def. It's definitely. Uh, it's definitely only used once. 
I I don't actually have an idea, but I'm, my instinct is pass, possibly, is it like Niles maybe talking about the mechanical ball when he's talking about, you know, they'll be spinning along and I'll be spinning out or something, or maybe, um, I mean, I'd, I'd say the champagne line when he says, but he, I'm pretty sure he doesn't say I'll be spinning along having my champagne on top of a ball or something like that. But I can't think of any other concept where spinning comes into it. Um, I'm going to say Niles in reference to the mechanical bull, but it's a better. I'm not sure. It is an excellent guess, but I'm afraid it's oh. Frazier when he's uh, he's going, oh, oh, my dreams get me by. Like the one where I strap you in your chair and run around the house turning on all the lights, even in the rooms I'm nowhere near. Boy, that electric meter must be really spinning now. <laughs> Why he shouts spinning is incredible. Um, so that is, I'm afraid, the who's crying for this week here. But you took a really good logical guess there. Shall we jump over to the mailbag? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, so a lot of you wrote in this week. Um, we should have time to read all of these out, which is always good news. Evening Jellyfish opens with, I haven't written in a while, but I'm still listening every week. I love getting the podcast notification and putting it on while I do dishes or fold laundry. We'd love to know what sponge you use to do those dishes, Evening Jellyfish. Uh, like most viewers, these episodes with Kate are far from being my favourites, but here's my best defence of the Kate Costas character. I appreciate that the writers tried to give her a wide range of traits, e.g. animal lover, fitness enthusiast, kittenish lol. <laughs> because it's pretty common for TV to either not feature any female bosses at all or to paint them stereotypically, tough at work and home, no outside interests, etc. I like that her speech in an earlier episode, You Think You Know Me, is essentially a call-out of the assumptions people make about successful women. Better portrayals of female leaders are more common these days, so maybe Kate falls flat compared to those. Excellent comment. Really good point, yeah. Excellent comment, and I completely agree. I think one of the things we loved most about Kate, obviously we didn't love Kate, but one of the things we did appreciate early doors is that she was every bit Frasier's equal. Um, And, you know, they they obviously have to change that by the time It's Hard to Say Goodbye comes around. I mean, that comment got 11 upvotes, um, and that is like I've never seen a comment on our on our post get that many. That's that more many listens than we get in a week. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, a lot of people agreed with eating jellyfish there. And I think that's yeah. a very good point, well made. Yeah, it is a really really good point. I think particularly the point of perhaps we are being a bit unduly unfair on Kate by on the basis that we, you know, there are better portrayals of female leaders more common these days. And <laughs> and I, I really like the idea of you know trying to make her a real character and a multi-dimensional character. It's just I feel that particularly like the kittenish thing is that <laughs> I just get hung up on that. Like hard and strong all the way through, and then all of a sudden she's getting it. Like she's kittenish. It just, it feels like a complete one eighty. It's a bit it's a bit strange to me, but it's a really good point about um, not only the fact that you know they they like that, but I think how important it is as well to show. The you know just not just have a female lead as a complete caricature or a stereotype to having that multi-dimensional role, mm-hmm. and it's I mean I think that's one thing we can give the writers credit for is an is an attempt to do that even if they didn't necessarily do it that well. Um, but yeah, it's a really really good comment there. I think I really like that one. Spot on, mate. Uh, next up, we've got Miss Worcester twenty two who said, um, despite this episode being at the bottom of the proverbial pile. I do understand where you're coming from, Will. I do emphasise with Frasier as he realises that Kate isn't the perfect Kierkegaard reading, souffle baking, haiku writing cellist he's dreamed of. Mm. Um, With regards to the B-plot of this episode, it reminds me of an old vinyl I have by the late and great Morecambe and Wise. There's a track on the B-side literally called The B-side. Some of the lyrics just make me think of the lack of attention to detail in this episode. 
I can sing what I want on this side. No one needs to know. Oh, I can sing. I want to be by the seaside. Nobody cares because it's only on the B side. Nice. I, I actually, I want to go listen to this because uh, I, I knew this comment would appeal to you. I really you're, like Malcolm and Ryan. Yeah, you're yeah. a big fan of that kind of comedy yeah. brand. And it was for for non UK listeners. Malcolm and Ryan was a real staple of British comedy back in massively the day. Like, so to the point where everyone, pretty much every single person in the country, watched their Christmas shows. Oh, that their one Christmas show in particular, I think, is either up there as like the record for the most watched thing on Christmas Day. Yeah. I think about like thirty or forty million people watched it. I mean, that's obscene. I think if you got the top ten ratings for things in this country. It would just be Morecambe and Wise and Only Falls and Horses just taking the top 10. Yeah, and then like maybe an England game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nuts. But yeah, as Mr. Wester then finished it with, look it up on Spotify. It will make you laugh. Thanks for making this episode bearable. Yours, run for your life. Great stuff, great stuff. Reckler puts, my favourite food is usually Japanese. You can always tell when someone has never tried it when they say it's just fish. I love Brandon Sanderson's stories. His writing really entices you to read more, and I have to stop myself sometimes, otherwise I'd read half the book in a day. Speaking of slogging, I once read a book that I hadn't even got started properly. 50 pages in, two pages were even dedicated to describing a cliff. That was £8 wasted. It promptly went to a charity shop. I'd love to know what the book was, Reckler. You're holding out on us here and not letting us know. All this talk out of out of production chocolate makes me think of dairy milk tasters i loved those so much whilst not chocolate i simply adored tic tac liberty mints you could only buy them on cruise ships or airport shops on the air side they were such smooth mints i dearly miss them in fact i still keep an empty pack to this day to remember them by i actually googled these they're very classy they're like tic tacs like a metal tray metal tin um and i I feel like i might have seen them in in a different life um somewhere down the line but uh, come lie with me. I like this episode, mostly with the comedic bickering between Fraser and Martin. I really had no idea if Daphne would move out at the time. Her story was certainly interesting. Oddities aside, in the end, each crane took comfort in believing a lie rather than face an uncomfortable truth. Very true, and an ending that troubles me um, more than, than gives me closure, I think. Um, talking of giving up on books, am I right in thinking that you gave up on a book recently when you were 50 pages from the end? Well, How did you know that? Did I tweet about it? You put it on your Goodreads, and I yeah. you on Goodreads. I, I, it was Bag of Bones by Stephen <laughs> King. Um, it's about 500 pages. I was literally 450 pages in. I was reading it in bed, and I was like, I genuinely don't care anymore how this ends. Um, it started out really good. It just lost me. Um, and as anyone who likes King will tell you, he doesn't do endings well. Um, and it just, yeah, it was going all over the place. Bag of Bones can best be described as like a haunted love story. Um, it's very different to his usual stuff. Um, but the horror in it is just no, nothing scary happens in it at all. Um, which, you know, some of his best writing is non-horror. But yeah, that's I'm not afraid to tap out at any point. Let me tell you. Um and I, I, will, I will consider that red in my in my head. Yeah. I read 450 pages of the thing, you know. That is a red book. Um, but yeah. I mean, I know we sometimes give a shout out to our favourite books or books we're reading. I, I think I mentioned to you, I think it was off the air, but um, I've told you I was reading, is it Blake Crouch? Yes. I'm now I'm a complete fanboy of Blake Crouch. Oh my God, that's awesome. That, that's really going to make me want to read. I, um, I read Dark Matter by him and it, it just blows your mind like, really I, I i spent like i finished the book so i walked into shannon went, so shannon this happened how would you and i'm, I'm not gonna say because it'll go but it was already making you like speak about it to other people it yeah, was that good I really really recommend it. if anyone's into sort of sci-fi um 
and you know, any, yeah, that sort of that sort of genre without saying too much. Anyone's into sort of sci-fi or anything like that, I would highly recommend either. I've re- the only books I've read for his are, are um, Dark Matter and Recursion, and both were fantastic. So, highly recommend if anyone's anyone's interested in that sort of thing. That's awesome. I, I need to read his Wayward Pines trilogy as well. I'm currently reading. I'm only like sixty pages in. It's called The End of Vandalism by Tom Drury. And basically, I think it was one of these books. I don't know if you remember. There's a book called Stoner by John Williams um, that was written in the fifties. And I think literally about ten to fifteen years ago, it was like rediscovered and it was like a bestseller for years. Like Waterstones pushed it like mad, and everyone read it. Like even like people who don't read that much. It's basically about like a really lonely English teacher in mid-century. America and it just like blew up this book is kind of the same thing it was very unheard of and then it had a big resurgence um it's just all about like a quirky county in like rural America and like the, the full of eccentric characters and like their lives um like the main characters like the sheriff and it's just like it's a really light-hearted and funny but like it just apparently everyone who reads this thing just falls in love with the place and the characters and stuff so um I'm, I mean I'm enjoying it I wouldn't say it's got its hooks in me um so you know we'll see how it goes but that is what I'm currently reading. I know people sometimes like to know. Um, oh, yeah, you got Ludicrous Popping Jay next. Yeah, Ludicrous Popping Jay. Uh, thank you, Will and Keith, for another stellar episode of the podcast. Wish I could say the same for this episode of Frasier. This is one of those episodes I expected to like less than I actually did. Uh, this isn't to say it would necessarily be in my top 10, just not as bad as I remembered. The highlight for me was Roz's hilarious version of Frasier and Kate's Tryst, which I think is probably an, an accurate depiction of how most of Frasier's sexcapades go. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us have been in Frasier's position, idealising a, a particular romantic perspective prospect first, then, getting, then once getting to know them, realising that you are incompatible with each other in almost every way. However, the writers were pretty lazy, I felt, in reducing a woman who could match Frazier's level of intellectual achievement and sophistication, rattling, rattling off knowledgeably about Japanese Netsuki figures, Bartok and Oscar Wilde only a few episodes ago, to basically a jogging cat lady in shoulder pads. <laughs> That's a brilliant, brilliant little summary of Kate. He's a good writer, old Poppin' Jay, really is. Um, nonetheless, this was a doomed shipwreck of a pair to begin with, and I'm glad it's over. I'm not particularly looking forward to The Friend. I always skip it when I watch through the seasons, but I will watch it this week, so at least physically share your pain. Thank nice. you so much for that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, best of luck, boys. You've got a tall task ahead of you. Sincerely, Ludacris Poppin' Jay. Excellent stuff. He writes wonderfully. Our Poppin' Jay does. Really, really good stuff there. Um, thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy listening to The Friend when it comes out. Um Bottom of the barrel episode. This is Mischief Night, I should say. Bottom of the barrel Fraser episode, top shelf episode of the podcast. Thank you, MK. Very kind. Yes, when songs I haven't heard in 10 years come back into my mind, I remember more of the songs I'm expecting to. Also, I don't know how things were when this ep came out, but we flew our cat out to California when we moved. We had him in a soft carrying case and kept him in the main cabin with us on the floor. We did have to pay a fee for him, and we did have to take him out of the carrier at security and walk with him through the metal detector. That was the scariest part, that he would freak out and get loose in the philadelphia airport where everyone is just oh so friendly to begin with trivia and fun bits for come live with me when niles is in hoedown garb he looks like big willie who will meet yes soon. very good and i did i forgot big willie was so soon actually another round of niles vaguely mentioning where he's staying without mentioning where he's staying and in case someone asks for trivia i'll spoiler block this after martin makes the oreo analogy to frazier and frazier comes back from working things out with daphne martin is eating from a pack of oreos i didn't realize the biscuits they're eating are oreos did you clock that i know you mentioned it earlier 
it did not click to me there you go so really really nice stuff um thank you thank you mk as always uh next up i think is it emmanuel sir uh yeah or emmanuel seller or emmanuel seller yeah um yes to songs causing emotions to flood back there was a song by ryan adams called desire and it features an episode of house that aired while i was in college if that song comes on, I'm immediately transported back to the same exact emotional state I endured during that time. Oh, nice. The Old Testament slaps. <laughs> well, the monocle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, there's a Ryan Adams song called Oh, oh My Sweet Carolina, I think. Um, or Sweet... Yeah, I think so. You're not I mean, mixed up with the Sweet Caroline song. No, no, no. Let me, let, me, let me specifically get what it's called. I mean, Ryan Adams, I need a massive caveat extremely he, problematic um he, uh, you're saying ryan adams i'm just imagining this is like brian adams, you're thinking of brian adams your brother who's just done a couple of songs i'm like yeah you're not quite it is called oh my sweet carolina it's a really lovely song but ryan adams has been accused of some very bad things in recent years so i'm not going to recommend people go out and listen to ryan adams's music um i say accused i'm fairly certain it's it's pretty pretty damning um they're not just like flippant accusations um but yeah the monocle. I need to. I need to write my Old Testament review very, very soon. Sydney Asbasket. With regards to my trivia question, and it's hard to say goodbye if you won't leave. I would apologise for spoiling the end of Casablanca for Key. However, <laughs> it's been around for seventy-five years, so I made the assumption the majority of movie fans had seen such a classic. This is an interesting thing because in 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 spoiler theory, where do you, when is something old enough? that spoilers are fair game because it's a bit like when things pass out of copyright and into like, you know, public domain. Uh, I think we all know it's 76 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting one because like, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't want someone to spoil the end of like, I don't know, a sitcom from the nineties or something, but the sitcom, sad, I've never seen friends. I wouldn't want to know how friends ended. Um, even though it's like one of the biggest pop phenomena of all time. Um, I get, I get the point. Casablanca is so old, but it's interesting just to where people draw the line because spoilers are spoilers at the end of the day. If you've not seen something and it ruins it for you, it's spoiled. You know what I mean? I, I um, should say it has not ruined. I've actually forgotten what the ending is. Oh, I mean, I mean, no, I'm not using this as an example because <laughs> Casablanca is like, yeah, the ending's not really the point of the film. The point of the film is just, you know, seeing seeing Bogey in that smoky, smoky bar. Um, and then spoiler alert <laughs> sorry lad wow. do you want to uh, bring it to a close with cam winston oh uh, yeah so finally uh, cam winston lads i have to agree with my good friend mk when he says bottom of the barrel episode really it's hard to say goodbye but as expected you find champs made it worth it to, through your review very kind well, i did notice a lot more tangents this week <laughs> due to the weak material to work. guilty as charged wait wait until you listen to the friend my friend <laughs> <laughs> there's a fair few tangents in there as well um anyway i will be brief this week and ask one question of key oh god um you liked my ravioli style wheat parcel description of the mini wheats breakfast i did like, love that as well very very strong line now I expect this. Uh, I now I expect this to now be tattooed, as you said. Uh, <laughs> perhaps may I suggest you get it on your proverbial derriere, <laughs> along with a New Zealand flag. Wow! <laughs> Would you betray your roots like that, Kay? Um, I mean, if I was going to get a flag of another country, New Zealand would be up there. I would um, so get a Canadian flag. It's the most beautiful flag ever designed. I, um, I don't know what the Icelandic flag looks like, but I do like Iceland. Like, that's a, well, that's a nice flag. It's a bit like a, a um, the the Nordic cross, but it's blue and red, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's nice. It's a nice um, flag. 
but we will see. I mean, that, it's a conversation starter, isn't it? You know, you it know, is. You just, pour your, just get your ass out and show them the top. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're really going to start some conversations if you get your ass out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought, well, why not? With HR particularly. <laughs> um, right, that's enough of that. Uh, peace. And as always, up the villa. Hammy, aka Cam Winston. Beautiful. Thank you, everyone who wrote in this week. Lovely to hear from you all. Um, next week, it will be, as we said, season three, episode 13. Unlucky for some, hopefully not us, Moondance. Um, very, very, very excited for this. It's been a long time since I watched Moondance. It's not an episode I tend to throw on just for casual fun watching um, because it's quite, I don't know, it feels quite plot heavy. And I don't know, it's just, it's a very, a very noteworthy episode, I would say. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Any any final comments or anything, Kay? Uh, yes, I just want to give a big shout out to um, Scott McDonald, who mm. the one and only Henry in this episode. Um, I've got his Wikipedia page up here. He was um, he played Burley in Carnival, uh, Commander Dolim in Star Trek Enterprise. He was the lead character in the 1997 horror film Jack Frost, and he played Officer Gerard in Dexter. There's a so, horror film called Jack Frost. Apparently so, yeah. Because Jack Frost is a is a nice film. Is it a Christmas from '98? It is a director video comedy slasher written and directed by Michael Cooney. Okay, it takes, it's, not, it's not the one I'm thinking of. It takes place in the fictional town of Snowmonton, where the uh, week before Christmas, a truck carrying serial killer Jack Frost, played by Scott McDonald, to his execution crashes into a genetics truck. Um, the genetic material causes Jack's body to mutate and fuse together with the snow on the ground, as you do. Um, Jack is presumed dead and his body melts away. However, he comes back as a killer snowman and takes revenge on the man who finally caught him, Sheriff Sam Tyler. Good um, God. I, I think we can all agree that that's our weekend plans going forward. What um, a lovely way to end the episode with that bizarre description <laughs> of Jack Frost. If, um, yeah, he was also an episode of The X-Files. Mm. He played Curtis uh, Delario in the episode Salvage, if that means anything to anyone. I watched The X-Files. I don't think I've seen that episode. Um, but either way, if you've got any time on your hands, let's all go and support Scott McDonald because... Let's. No sweat. No, it's no sweat, no sweat of his bag, no sweat of ours <laughs> celebrating his career. Um, thank you for that, Key. Uh, we'll be back next week with Moondance. But other than that, I've been Will. I've been Key. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.